Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis's LGBTQ-themed film festival kicked off last week. Unlike past years, this year's Q-Fest is entirely virtual. But as in the past, it promises an array of fascinating films with LGBTQ themes. And it's going on right now if you want to catch a movie. My guests are here today to discuss some of this year's highlights and how you can watch them. Chris Clark is Cinema St. Louis's artistic director, and he's also a Q-Fest organizer. Chris, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you. And we're also joined by Dan Stedman. He's a St. Louis-based director, and he's making his Q-Fest debut this year. So, Dan, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Chris, I want to start with you. You had to go online this year. I understand that was for the very first time. Was that a tough call to make? It was a life-altering decision, I guess. Uh, when all this first started, you know, <clears throat> my day job is presenting film festivals. Uh, this is one of several we do throughout the year. And sudden changes in the world situation, I was just going to quit my job and go work at Schnooks. Oh, no. And oh, no. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was so miserable because I couldn't, I couldn't see this. I couldn't see what was possible. And as soon as we picked ourselves up and brushed ourselves off a little bit and saw that other festivals were, you know, slowly trying to figure out what to do next, we dug in headlong and over a period of a month and a half made the decision to do all four of our, what were formerly live in theater film festivals, like it was the intention since the dawn of cinema uh, to do, uh, we reinvented ourselves. And now all four are will be completely online. Three are already up and scheduled. Uh, QFest is, you know, this is the day seven of ten. Um, and it's become pretty wonderful. Uh, I, as I said, I was pretty miserable at the beginning. But as things started to make sense and we were able to figure it out and figure out what, you know, what worked and what didn't, it's still the same films. Mm-hmm. These are exactly the same films I'd already chosen. Well, so Dan, as a filmmaker, uh, do you find yourself, uh, were you disappointed when you found, yeah, people are going to be watching this from home. There's not going to be that audience um, interaction. Well, yeah, of course, you prefer a live venue, um, you know, and the opportunity to socialize with people and, and to really hear the audience feedback, you know, sometimes inaudibly uh very, you know, you can just sort of sense what people are connecting with, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, online you get you have a lot of people that wouldn't venture out, and there's a lot of people that are watching this film throughout Missouri and Illinois. These two films and all the other ones they offer, and it's exciting to um, to be getting the direct feedback. You know, they're writing to me directly or commenting online on social media. So that's nice. You're still getting that interaction. You might not be getting it in real time, getting to yeah. hear them laugh at the funny part, but but they're right. reaching out. Right. Uh, Chris, these films have now been streaming online for almost a week as part of QFest. Are you getting reaction from people who are who are glad you've gone ahead with this? Yes, uh, we are. People are having a good time. Um, and, you know, one thing that's new about this, we didn't, you know, if we would have showed Dan's films or, or any of the films, it would have been one time or one afternoon, one time only. In this virtual reality every film is available from midnight on the first day until midnight on the last day um at any time of the day or night so people could watch them for anywhere it's it's we are geofenced uh, to the states of missouri and illinois so if you live anywhere in those states you can watch one of these shows hmm. uh, and several of them are free including the 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 documentary shorts program that um dan's film is in and then the narrative shorts program that another film that he directed is in 
those are all free. So people are really having a good time watching all this stuff. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that's worked out. And I got to say, um, we were so glad that Dan ended up uh, being able to be a guest today because, as as now we've all mentioned a couple times, Dan has two different films in this year's film festival. I got to watch both preparing for this segment. And, um, boy, they are both just so good to watch in such different ways. And, Dan, I want to start by talking a little bit about Taboo Teaching. Now, this is a documentary about uh, local Melville High School teacher Rodney Wilson. Rodney yes. became a national lightning rod in 1994 when he told some of his students that he was gay. I want to play the beginning of this film, um, and this compiles some of the attention that followed that announcement. Now, moving on to other news, a gay teacher speaks out tonight after he's verbally vilified at a school board meeting. An openly gay teacher is at the center of a curriculum controversy that involves the role of gays and lesbians in history. Five months ago, 29-year-old Rodney Wilson shocked a lot of people when he told some of his classes he's gay. Teacher in the Melville Public School who told his class uh, that he was a homosexual. We're talking about Melville Public School. Or he's a polygamist, or he's a pedophile, or whatever. This is totally That's right, and that was bad taste and bad judgment on the part of the teacher. He should have been reprimanded or maybe fired. Maybe I don't know. Been. They don't want gays teaching their kids, playing with their kids, or even occupying the same room with their kids. Coming up, could this history teacher be history because he came out of the closet in class? Do gay teachers belong at the head of the class? And that is from Dan Stedman's film, Taboo Teaching. Dan, it seems almost shocking to younger people, the outrage that followed Rodney Wilson sharing this fact with his students. Were you surprised going back to see this footage of how programs like even the Nine Network's Donnybrook handled this? I mean, that was one of the clips in there where it seemed like uh, the host was almost equating pedophilia with homosexuality. Yeah, the woman on Donnybrook, uh, I, I didn't grow up here, but apparently she was one of the liberal voices of St. Louis. So one of the liberal commentators w had it in for him, um, for him being gay. So um, that tells you how things were. I wasn't terribly surprised because that was about when I was like two years out of high school at that time when he went through that. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a um, private Christian school. So, you know, if, if a teacher had come out in my setting, they would have been fired you know, within an hour, mm -hmm. um, there would have been no debate. Um, but, you know, in a public school, um, it was a huge battle and a huge controversy within the community. As you could hear, you know, it ended up on the Ricky Lake show and on Dateline NBC and um, scandalous. And it became a plot even in a soap opera, as you understand. all for my this. children, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but just to take some of our viewers back and those of us who weren't living here at the time, the fact that he shared this about his life, it was actually very much relevant to the curriculum. How, so tell us this story. How did this come up in his high school history classes? Oh, he was teaching about the Holocaust and all the. Um, people groups that Hitler had it in for, and obviously the main target being Jews, but also, you know, gay people and um, people of different religious stripes. And he basically said, you know, if I had been alive at the time, you know, I would have wore the pink triangle and I would have been sent off to the camps. So, you know, we're just talking about history. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was enough to, you know, make people lose their minds. And this was just 26 years ago. Again, we're talking about the mid-90s. Um, Chris, is this film just a reminder of, of how much things have changed? Absolutely. It, you know, things were different. I, I, too, went to a conservative Catholic high school and grade school. And, you know, I kept my, my secret identity close to the vest. And, you know, I 
shudder to think what would have happened to a teacher at a Catholic grade school in South St. Louis or a Catholic high school in St. Louis in the 60s and 70s. It would have been, you know, a quick uh, demise and, and very, you know, abrupt and would have been confusing to a lot of people. And all they wanted to do was teach. Hmm. Now, Rod, profession. Rodney Wilson, who's the teacher in this film, that certainly describes him. He seems so passionate about teaching people. And he did uh, participate in this film. He gave an interview within this documentary that's Taboo Teaching. He explained how some former students um, have reached out to him since those years. Nothing is more rewarding than having a student who was in your classroom 25 years ago make contact with you again, which happens a lot now because of Facebook, and say, you did this, or you said this, and I still remember it. It still has meaning in my life. It did make me a better person. And you don't even have any memory of that event at all. You don't have any idea what they're talking about because you're one teacher, and maybe in the course, for example, of my seven years here, I might have had a thousand students come through my classroom. So the teacher can't remember, but to know that the student remembers, yeah, is deeply meaningful. Or to have students come back who are gay, for example, who did not say that to anyone in 1996 at this school. There were no openly LGBT uh, teachers or students in this school that I'm aware of. To have them come back and say, I actually was uh, lesbian or gay, or, and knowing that you were there, knowing that someone could be open about who they are, even though I never said anything at the time, had great meaning and actually helped me get through my life. And that is Rodney Wilson, the subject of the documentary Taboo Teaching, which is playing as part of QFest. And we're talking today to QFest organizer Chris Clark, who's with Cinema St. Louis. He's the artistic director there, as well as Dan Stedman. He's the filmmaker behind Taboo Teaching and a second film that we'll talk about in just a moment. But but Dan, I can't let this moment pass without asking. I understand that uh, Rodney Wilson, this teacher, he's actually your partner in real life. Was it hard to get him um, to open up about this period of his life on camera uh we had to make sure he was comfortable with the way we did it um uh because this is not something he revisits often Hmm. um he was glad that i was making the documentary uh because he's all about the preservation of history um and uh but yeah it's not the most comfortable thing in the world for him um you know i really wanted to do this in just going through our basement boxes and boxes of videotapes and newspapers and magazines and the fact that he's the founder of lgbt history month um, which happens every october in america um you know i just kept discovering things (laughs) and i said i think that we need to do this so uh, we went back to melville high school and interviewed other teachers who were there at the time who still happened to be teaching at the school and and part of what i loved you didn't just get these other teachers you also got some students and one of whom who acknowledged at the time, she was very much opposed to this, and, and she had a change of heart. Was it hard to get her to open up on camera? No, because she's actually one of those students that reached out to Rodney and wrote him an apology mm-hmm. um, a year, a few years ago through Facebook and just was, you know, there was no documentary at the time. She, just, she was just reflecting on her attitude as a teenager at the time and just knowing 
all she knew at the time about the world. Um, and so uh, she was uh, very eager to participate, which mm-hmm. we so appreciated. Yeah, it really makes the film to hear from these students. And and while I could talk about this film for the next 20 minutes, um, I do want to make sure we talk about your other film, because this is just such a completely different style. It is such a, such a fascinating film to watch. Can you explain, Dan, the concept behind Woman on the Threshold? Yeah, I was watching an old Twilight Zone from 1959 that was um, called One for the Angels. And it was about a man meeting the Grim Reaper. And I thought, you know, what would this be like if this character was a woman? And what if she was grieving the loss of a woman she loved? Um, Obviously, in the 50s, there would have been no lesbian characters uh, in any of entertainment. Um, You know, maybe books, but nothing on television. And I thought, what if there was a lesbian writer on a staff that wanted to kind of introduce this without you know getting blocked by the network's censors and so i wrote this in the style of the day and it's not incredibly blatant but she talks about you know the woman who died that she loved more than anyone she could possibly love and you know those kinds of things um and uh, you know was considering ending her life over it and that's when the grim reaper shows up and the grim reaper is played by a young woman uh, emma grace pepper so along the way um you know she she goes to a bar and she runs into tim weisman and brian lockett's characters and just runs into some people along the way but uh yeah it's a it's a it's a short about loss Um, But it's not in that typical gay film kind of way where it's about being gay. Um, Mm -hmm. It really isn't at all. It's completely about the loss of love, which I think is universal and relatable to anyone. Chris, what about this film appealed to you? It was just different. And, you know, like I said, like Dan said, reminded me of old, you know, Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, I just like the 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 fun accents and just the. The, the wits behind uh, the sorrow that the woman, you know, was, was grieving. Uh, and they still turned it into this hybrid, you know, sad spoof uh, that just sort of tickled me. Yeah, Dan, you really had some fun with some of these period details, just the way they talk and those sort of mid-Atlantic accents that we always used to hear. Um, I think for anybody who enjoyed The Twilight Zone, they've got to check out this film. And, And Chris, you're saying this is one of the films that people can actually check out for free. Is that correct? Yes, um, because I'm charming and a good fundraiser, um, we decided a long time ago that it was more important for us to have people see things than to try and sell everything for full price. So we do a little bit of fundraising each year to underwrite having as many programs as we can for free. So there are four short subject programs and then a web series, which um, I'll throw this one at you now. Uh, The star and writer of this web series is from Chesterfield. Um, so this year, there's a, it's like a, a basket of unicorns. There are five films in this event with connections to uh, former St. Louisans. And, and, and the current ones, like Dan, uh, who actually lives in Farmington. But I'm so thrilled to have these local connections finally in this event, sharing their proud queer voices. And th- this is a, a new thing? It's taken a while for these homegrown voices to become such a big part of this festival? Uh, maybe they were always out there, or maybe they hadn't uh, made their first films yet. Uh, Dan is a transplant, so... Uh, we, we claim him now, but he's actually from, <laughs> from somewhere else. But there weren't any for the first you know, 12 years of the event, and I always wanted it. Uh, I hoped that there were, and now there's a whole bunch, so I hope there will be more. 
Well, that's it's super exciting, and there's certainly a, a great slate of films that people can check out. So if people want to um, do this, I understand they have basically a day and a half left. Um, oh, no, through Sunday. Through, through Sunday. Sunday. I've got my dates yes. wrong. Okay. Yes. So people have a little more time to do this. Um, what would be their starting point if they want to um, find these free films and, and get started watching them? So <clears throat> there's going to be a couple of steps. There's going to be some work involved, but it's not very hard. So you go to our website um, and look at the list of films, and then they will link you out to our web portal, uh, which is a secure space where the, all the films are sitting, waiting for you. And then you have to sign up for this service, um, and then they will show you uh, what is the best way in your home to watch it on your laptop or how best you can stream it to your TV. So you have to make a membership to this site. Then you can purchase thing, and then you can stream right away. You can watch it then, you could pause it, you can watch it tomorrow morning. You have 24 hours from the time you start. And this is the way we're gonna be doing all of our events for the rest of the year. So we're glad people are getting their, their feet wet, so to speak, with QFest and getting used to um, how it's gonna be. So, uh, if so if you're interested in, in film, this is the time to figure this out. You can get in on QFest. It runs through Sunday. And Chris Clark of Cinema St. Louis and QFest, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. This is fun. And filmmaker Dan Stedman, um, thank you for, for being here. And congratulations on two films in your first year in this festival. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Sarah. Tomorrow on St. Louis on the Air, we'll talk with an expert at St. Louis University about the important role that new social norms can play in combating the coronavirus. We'll also talk with people on the front lines trying to enforce those norms. It's not easy. And we need your help. It's been 20 years since St. Louis's own Nelly released Country Grammar. The album sold more than 10 million copies and achieved diamond status. We'll discuss its impact on Friday's show, and we want to hear from you. Was Country Grammar the soundtrack to your summer 20 years ago? What memories does listening to the album evoke today? Send us a voicemail with your thoughts at 314-516-6397. That's 314-516-6397. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.